Section 20 of David and His Friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. David and His Friends, a series of revival sermons by Louis Albert Bates. The Tears of the Sower and the Sheaves of the Reaper they that sow in tears shall reap in joy he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him psalm 126 verses 5 and 6 this is a song of grateful remembrance celebrating the return of the jews from exile but though it begins, as so many of the Psalms do, with a local reference, it ends with a general application to universal human life. The end of the captivity came unexpectedly. The singer declares that it was like a dream to them. They could hardly believe at first that it was true. But when they were sure that they were awake, and that the long exile was really over, that they were going home again to rebuild the temple and the city of their pride and love, their mouths were filled with laughter, and their voices burst forth into singing. Gratitude toward God swelled their hearts. They gave God all the glory. They bore testimony before the heathen that it was God who had done these great things for them. Studying this signal illustration of the sweetness of victory after defeat, of the blessedness of home after exile, of the glory of the harvest after the long seed time and waiting, the singer bursts forth into inspired poetry, drawing from this illustration a beautiful truth applicable to human life in general and of special spiritual significance to those who seek to bless and uplift human hearts. They that sow in tears, he sings with confidence, shall reap in joy he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him there could be no more apt and beautiful illustration of the history of all christian workers who are seeking to sow the seeds of eternal life in the hearts of men and who long to gather sheaves of immortal souls for the garners of heaven we should miss the meaning of our illustration if we should infer from it that the Christian life, as compared with a worldly life, is a life of sighing and tears and sadness. That is not so. But the teaching is that, in comparison with the harvest, the seed time is always a time of anxiety and earnestness. While there is anticipation in it, there is also the tremulous feeling that the seed time lasts but for a little while and will soon pass away not to come again for a whole year and that the garners in the autumn will be empty unless faithful earnest work be done in the seed time spiritualize that feeling of the earnest sower and you have the feeling in the hearts of men and women who are looking forward to the harvest time of eternity and are planning and working now to sow by their lives and influence and words seeds which will bear a harvest of rejoicing and blessing all successful workers for Christ have had this spirit of tremulous earnestness, which is most fittingly expressed by tears. Paul had it, 
he said one time that he was willing to be accursed himself if necessary that certain people in whom he was interested might be saved our lord himself had this feeling he was known as the man of sorrows and one acquainted with grief not because he went about with a long face but because of the great earnestness and intense sympathy which he showed in trying to comfort and bless and save the world i am sure we ought to get a great lesson from this theme do not imagine for a moment that i am bringing you a sad lesson it is exactly the opposite of that no life pays so great dividends of joy and blessedness as the sincere christian life which is given over with such heartfelt completeness to do god's will that one goes forth in tearful love as the messenger of jesus such a life has never yet gone empty-handed to the judgment sometimes looking on we think such lives have failed and that those who have lived them have gone without their sheaves but they have not god looks out for that there is a little book called miss tusi's mission which tells the story of a strange little old woman seventy years of age who heard a sermon by a missionary bishop which wonderfully inspired her and resulted in her going to her rector and offering herself as a missionary to africa the rector was filled with amusement that this little feeble woman seventy years of age should offer herself as a missionary but he finally told her that her mission was to stay at home and give all she could to the cause and by her prayers and gifts try to help the missionary cause along most pathetic were the ways in which this dear old lady saved her scanty income for the master's cause there was a young englishman in that village rich and prosperous without much religion a generous manly fellow fond of his dogs and horses and he found himself often attracted to this quaint old miss tusi at whom all the village was laughing for her strange ways and missionary enthusiasm one night this young man john rossiter heard that miss tusi was ill and he went to see her and found her in tears over what she called the failure of her work she said between her sobs john my money only counts up a few small shillings and my influence is not anything for the people laugh at me the five barley loaves and the two small fishes that i try to bring to the master are all valueless that night miss tusi died and john rossiter sat all the next day in that lonely little house with his head in his hands there was something in that simple noble pure christian life that touched him and that night John Rossiter wrote to the Missionary Society of the Church of England, offering himself as a missionary to Africa. Miss Tusi's loving Christian service and her tearful devotion did not fail of their sheaves. And yours will not fail. You may be so hedged in, your hands may be so tied by difficult circumstances that you will often feel like saying with Paul when signing his name to a letter in prison, remember my bonds but god is not bound and if you live faithfully in god's sight the gracious influence of your devotion and love will be as seeds sown in the earth that shall bear fruit unto eternal life in the early part of mr moody's evangelistic work he was once stopping in a home in the west 
and saw there a bright boy about thirteen years old. He did not bear the name of the family he was living with, and yet he was treated like one of the family. He asked the lady of the house who he was, and she said, He is the son of a missionary. His parents couldn't educate their children in India, so they came back here. But they had learned the language of India, and they did not feel that it was right for them to stay. Finally, the husband said, You stay here and educate the children, and I will go back. The mother said, No, God has used me there with you, and we will go together. But, the father said, You can't give up those children. You never have been separated from them since they were born. You can't leave them in this country. She said, I can do it for Christ if he wants me to. They made it a matter of prayer and put a notice in the papers that they were going to leave their children, asking Christian people to take and educate them. This lady saw the notice and wrote that she would take one child and bring it up for Christ's sake. She said in telling about it, His mother came and stayed a week and observed everything. She watched the order and discipline in my family, and after she was convinced that it was a safe place to leave her boy, she set the day to leave. My room was adjoining hers, and when the time came to start, I heard her pray, Lord Jesus, help me now. I need thee. Help me to give up this dear boy without a tear, that I may leave him with a smile. The last time he sees me, I don't want him to see a tear in my eye. Oh God, help me and give me strength. Then she said that mother came down and took her boy to her bosom, hugged him and kissed him with a smile on her face, not a tear, and left. She went to five homes in the same way. She went back to India, but only lived a year, and then went to meet her lord and master. Some years after, Mr. Moody was preaching in Hartford, Connecticut, and found a young man who was in the habit of picking up the rough boys of the streets and bringing them to his meetings. He would sit with them around him, and after the sermon, with great tenderness and skill, he would lead them to Christ. It pleased Mr. Moody very much, and he asked who he was. They told him his name and said that he was in the theological seminary. He found that he was one of those five sons, and that all of them were devout Christians and were preparing themselves to return to India to take up the work that their father and mother had left. The world may think that the lives of such men and women as that missionary and his wife are of small account, but God and the angels know better. And if you and I are so happy as to get to heaven at last, we shall hear shouts of rejoicing and behold great gladness when the army of redeemed and ransomed ones who were won from heathenism and sin by this unknown man and woman and the sons they laid on God's altar comes up before the throne. As I study the Christian church today, it seems to me that above all things else, the rank and file of the membership of the churches need humble willingness to do anything for Christ to take the smallest and humblest service if only they may do something for Christ's sake. I have heard an oriental story of a beggar who lay at the king's gates and day by day received alms from the king's hand. One day, the king came out from the gate and found that he had forgotten something, and he called to the beggar, Run me this errand. But the beggar looked haughtily up into the king's face and said, Sire, I solicit alms. I do not run errands. 
It seems to me that there are a great number of such people in the church today. Look into your own heart, I beg you, and see if the message is for you. Is it possible that we who are beggars upon God's bounty from day to day, we who solicit alms from God's mercy all the while, are still too proud, too self-sufficient, too ungrateful to do service for the Lord, unless it be something that we think suited to our dignity? If so, repent, oh, repent this day as in sackcloth and ashes before the mercy seat and promise God here and now that he cannot send you on errands so humble, but you will gladly run them for Christ's sake. People who have been very successful in gathering sheaves for the heavenly garner have been those who gloried in small opportunities and delighted in the slightest chance to sow seed for the Lord. One day, many years ago, two disappointed soldiers who had never been in London before stood before the closed door of Westminster Abbey too late to be admitted. While the soldiers lingered, deploring their tardiness, a man with a grave, earnest face approached them and learning of their bitter disappointment said, Come with me, you shall see the Abbey. They did see it indeed and learned more about its great memorials than most people know for their guide was none other than Dean Stanley, though they did not know him then. Pausing before a soldier's monument, their guide said, I suppose you both would like to do some great deed and gain a monument like this. They both spoke up and said they would indeed. Then laying a hand on the shoulder of each soldier, the dean said in a voice of thrilling sweetness and solemnity, My friends, you may both have a more enduring monument than this, for this will moulder into dust and be forgotten. But you, if your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, will abide forever. Those words brought four souls to Christ, the two soldiers and their wives. And yet, who of us does not have similar opportunities almost every day of our lives? But we must live in the proper spirits or they are not opportunities for us. If our hearts are tremulous and tearful with earnestness to win to Christ those whom we meet, we shall be in the right frame of mind to do this blessed work. An earnest Christian woman who was ever seeking in her own gentle, loving way to be a soul winner had one day bought a garment of a shop girl whose spiritual history she well knew, and as it was being wrapped up, she said, Will you send these goods up today? Yes, ma'am, replied the girl. Are you sure, my dear, that you will not wear it out first? Why, what do you mean, madam? You do not know this house when you talk that way. Her guards were all up instantly, and her spirit was up too. But, my dear, went on the lady, Jesus bought you and paid for you with his own precious blood, and here you are wearing yourself out before you take yourself to him. The girl, taken by surprise, sobbed aloud, no one ever spoke to me like that since mother died. Oh, how many girls there are who have never known what real, unselfish tenderness was since mother was laid under the sod. They have found out by bitter experience that this is no mother-hearted world. There are multitudes, both of young men and young women, who are drifting into sin and will be lost unless some man or woman with the self-denying love of a father or a mother seeks after them with tenderness and sows the seeds of eternal life in their hearts. And just a word to you who are not Christians. 
there ought to be here a message for you. I ask you to become a Christian, and you say, it is so hard to start. It is so hard to give up and decide. Ah, yes, but that is only for a moment. But the joy that follows shall be eternal. It is hard to turn from your sins. Repentance means tears and turning away from every wicked and evil thing. But every tear of sincere repentance shall be a seed that shall yield a glorious harvest of joy. Go on in sin, and the path will get harder and darker and blacker until the end. But if you will break off your sins by righteousness, if you will turn from your sins by confessing Christ and seeking forgiveness at the mercy seat, your tears shall be turned into joy and your sorrow into singing. Of nobody else on earth is it more true than of the repenting sinner that they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. End of section 20. Read by Yolanda K. DeGraff, New York, October 9, 2021.